what is private mortgage insurance? Why do I have to pay it when I buy a home? Mm -hmm. Is there a way to avoid it? And then, and then what's the mathematical equation for, should I go ahead and just pay it and get into a home as soon as possible? Welcome to Getting Money Right, a show dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom through education and inspiration so that you can be free to pursue and live your true life's purpose. I'm your host, Leo Sabo, and with me is David Thompson, our co-host. And David, today we want to talk about PMI, private mortgage insurance. Exactly how much is it and why should we know more about it? Mm-hmm. Uh, this is this is such a, a unique and interesting topic to me, and I say that it's probably because I'm a little bit of a nerd and enthusiast in the financial world. But what is private mortgage insurance? Why do I have to pay it when I buy a home? Mm-hmm. Is there a way to avoid it? And then and then what's the mathematical equation for should I go ahead and just pay it and get into a home as soon as possible, or should I try to save up and avoid paying it? So there's a few numbers and nuances in there. Let me just start by saying this. Private mortgage insurance is when you go to buy a home and you're not able to put down a full 20% down payment on the home. So let's say you're buying a $200,000 home. 20% would be $40,000. Let's say you don't have $40,000 to put down on a $200,000 house. Well, if you're not able to put down all 20%. The lender is looking at you saying, hey, you want to borrow $200,000 from me? And in this case, let's say you put 10% down. So you put down 20,000, that leaves 180,000 that you're going to be borrowing on a home that should be worth 200,000, but things change. Mm -hmm. And so here you are, the lender's looking and saying, this is a little bit risky. $180,000 to an individual that I don't know personally, I'm going to lend them 180 grand. I need some assurances that if something goes wrong, I'm not going to lose all $180,000. Right. So the bank or the lender says, sure, I'll lend you $180,000, but you have to pay for insurance for me, the lender. This isn't insurance for you. You don't get any benefit out of this. You have to pay for insurance for me that makes sure that if you don't pay your mortgage, if you don't pay on time, I get paid by the insurance company. Mm -hmm. And that makes sense. It makes sense that if somebody's going to lend you $180,000 or more, that they would want to make sure they were going to get paid and they're going to transfer that risk to the insurance company, but they're going to make you pay for it. Mm-hmm. And so the amount that you're going to pay in general, it, there's actually a pretty a pretty unique range for private mortgage insurance. It's anywhere from as low as 0.25 or one quarter of a percent, all the way up to 1% of the loan value mm-hmm. per year. So let's go on the higher end of 1%. I'd say on average, you can kind of anticipate about half of a percent, but let's say 1% because it makes the numbers really easy. Let's say that you're borrowing um, $200,000 and they're going to say 1% of that is 2,000. That's very simple. 200,000, 1% is 2,000. You break that into monthly payments. It's about $160 a month that you're paying to an insurance company 
to make sure that if you default on your payments, you can't pay off the house, you don't make your payments on time, that that insurance company now pays the bank or the lender your payments. Now, the, the bank or lender will still kick you out of the house if you're not making your payments. They'll still potentially foreclose on you and have all sorts of issues with you, but they're going to make sure they get paid by this insurance company. So I would say you should average or plan for about a, a half a percent. So in this case, half of a percent would be $1,000 a year, which would actually be about $80 a month is what you should plan. They say that you should plan anywhere from... Uh, 75 to $100 a month per 100,000. So I think that's interesting. If you're going to borrow $100,000, you're looking at about $75 a month. If you're going to borrow $200,000, you're looking at about $150 a month. If you borrow $400,000, you're looking at anywhere from 300 bucks per month to pay for insurance that helps the lender. It doesn't help you in any way. So Leo, how would somebody go about avoiding this private mortgage insurance? Yeah, I think obviously the it makes sense to not purchase until you can put enough down not to have to have this insurance be part of that of that transaction. I remember the first time I bought a house, I actually bought it FHA, right? This is just a program that the government allows for first-time buyers. So I bought it and the loan was FHA, therefore there was a PMI built in. I couldn't get rid of it at all, actually, because I was only putting down like 3%. Right. Now, it allowed me to get into a home sooner than I would have. I didn't know any better. I'm like, whatever. And I remember what the payment was. The house was worth just over 100000 I think 107 is what we bought it for. So the private mortgage insurance was around $100. And I mm-hmm. know it went up after that as the value of the home went up. And I remember like two, three years in, the value of our home had gone up. We've done some upgrades to it at that point, and I called the mortgage insurance company, and I said, hey, I'm sorry, I called the mortgage company, yeah, and I said, hey, I'd like to take this off, and they're like, sorry, buddy, FHA stays on for life. Wow. So I had to refinance the house to get rid of the PMI, because yep. I did have 20% into it. Yeah, But in the meantime, for the first three, four years, if I remember correctly, I was paying PMI every month, mm-hmm. and it probably came out to several, you know, two, maybe $3,000 in total, maybe even more. So. That's wasted money, in my opinion. You're not even buying insurance for you. You're buying insurance just in case you don't pay that the mortgage company doesn't lose out. So it's really no benefit to you. The only benefit is that you get to get into them sooner, but I would argue that that's probably not a good thing. If you can't afford to put 20% down, you might be overstretching yourself to get into that home. Yeah. Uh, Because we've talked about this. When you buy a house, there's costs involved, buying and selling. So if you were to buy a home, even if you can get in at low cost, if you had to sell, let's say you get relocated, let's say the market goes down and you, you're you one of many people that are like, if I don't sell, I'm gonna lose it, and you wanna avoid foreclosure, so what are, you, what are you gonna do? You're gonna list it, and then when you do, you're gonna have to have, you know, you're gonna compete with everybody else that's trying to sell it. Right. As the market's gonna be affected, the prices might be depressed, and as that happens, you'll have to come up with money in order to walk away from the deal something you may not have. So it's a really can get take you from a, it's nice to have a home, but you're overstretching. So my opinion, minimum that you should put down is 10%, because at least that covers the realtor cost to sell it, any closing costs to walk away. Yes, you'll lose money, but at least no one else will be left holding the bag, so to speak. But again, I don't like PMI, didn't like it the first time I had to pay it. I really am encouraging my, my kids not to 
purchase earlier to avoid that PMI. Yep. Because frankly, nowadays, I mean, the average house value in the United States right now is just under three hundred thousand. It's two hundred ninety-three thousand. Okay. So that's twenty-nine hundred dollars per year if it's a one percent. If it's half of that, let's say it's fifteen hundred. It's at least a hundred to as much as two hundred dollars per month. Yep. Or so that you're paying PMI on top of your taxes, on top of your principal and interest payment. So you're adding hundreds of dollars to your mortgage payment, which to me is such a waste. So yeah. that would be my recommendation. Wait, it's actually there to almost discourage you from doing it and charging you if you should, mm -hmm. because you're taking the risk and so are they. And they're saying, hey, if I have to take your risk, guess what? I'm lending you 90% or 95%. So you're going to make sure that somehow I get paid. Yeah. And uh, that's the reason for it. Yeah. Well, Ashley and I, we put down 20% on our first home. We ended up living in our apartment for 18 months longer than mm. we initially planned. Now, we didn't have a, a full plan, but but it was like, hey, let's look at the numbers. Uh, we said we had a small one-bedroom apartment, which we were content in. We were very grateful for it. And, and we looked at it and we said, we think we'll be able to get to 20%. We'd, we had lived there for a while and we said, we were looking at the, the terms of, do we sign for another six months, 12 months, 18 months? And we said, we're going to do 18 months because we think that an additional 18 months in this apartment is going to allow us to get to the 20% number so that we can go into the marketplace, avoid private mortgage insurance, have very low risk. If something did happen and home prices went down, uh, then we would be able to still sell in a down market because we'd put at least 20% in. And it also, if you put 20% down on the house, it, it lowers your monthly payment because you're only borrowing 80% of the original amount of the home value. So let's say it's a $200,000 house, but you put in $40,000. Well, now you only owe one sixty. dollars So your whole mortgage is based on $160,000. It's not based on $200,000, which means your monthly payment is lower. You avoid private mortgage insurance, which means your monthly payment is lower. Effectively, you end up being able to afford more house if you're able to put 20% down there is a cost benefit analysis that you have to do if you're in a market where home prices are going up and you're looking at it and saying, man, every year that I wait, the home values go up another 5%. And if those home values going up is actually going to end up costing you more long term if you wait longer, you do have to balance the risk. But I'd say at a minimum, uh, I would put in 10% down, like Leo said. Uh, and then I'll just say for both Leo and I, you know, here and forever moving forward, our plan is to always do at least 20% down into any home that we purchase. Um, we're not infallible, but that's the plan. That's the goal. And that's what Ashley and I did. And we're going to keep moving forward. Yeah, that makes sense, David. Now, the other question I have is what if somebody has actually already purchased a home? Mm, that's great. And they have PMI. Is there a way that they can drop that PMI sooner? What, what can people do? Yeah. Well, first and foremost, like you said, you can refinance. And once you've got over 20%, they call it the loan to value ratio. So let's say that the value of your home has gone up over the time that you've lived there. Ashley and I bought a house. Uh, it went up each year a little bit in value. So let's say just being in the home, the value is higher. You've paid down your loan just a little bit. Once you get to that again, 
20, now it's like 22% that has to be down. Instead of a 20% down payment, you have to have a 22% gap between how much the value is and then how much your loan is. But once you get to that 78% loan to value ratio, actually, uh, this is kind of cool. They put in new legislation, the Homeowners Protection Act requires that your mortgage company drop that private mortgage insurance. Mm -hmm. So you can either refinance when you think that it's ready, uh, which actually might make sense because they're going to run their numbers with their people on their own timetable. Mm -hmm. They're they're not actively looking to get rid of private mortgage no, insurance no. for you. No, no, you'll have to initiate it. Yes, you'll have to initiate it. So you can call them when you think the loan-to-value ratio is where you've got more than 22% equity in your home. Um, but... You can also refinance and and actually you could refinance and there's different ways to do it. It's a little complex. You could actually take on a second loan that causes you to have a, a loan to value ratio on your first loan that's below 80%. And and I'm I wouldn't necessarily go into a second mortgage, second loan situation. I would just be patient, wait for it to either automatically drop, or as soon as you're getting close, I would start calling the mortgage private mortgage insurance company and say, hey, it's time to drop this thing. Let's move forward. Yeah, I would highly recommend if you do have a PMI, as soon as you can, keep an eye on that. Do whatever you can to assess the value of your property. Prove that to the mortgage lender and uh, get that PMI off. It's really of no benefit to you have it on there any longer than necessary. So if you do have PMI, uh, yeah, do that initiate it, get it off. And uh, that way you can put more of your money toward your loan. And by the way, since you're already used to making the payment, why don't you just add it to your principal and interest mm -hmm. rather than absorbing it into your budget? Just take that $100, $150, add it to the payment, get rid of that mortgage payment much sooner. That's right. Well, I hope that you've enjoyed this episode and I want to encourage you to get ready for the Getting Money Right website. It's coming soon. You'll be able to spend more time with Leo and I there, see the courses that we're building. Uh, we're continuing to build just every week. We're building onto the course, we're writing, we're putting together visuals, we're getting ready to film, we're planning. So I hope that you are, are just getting excited about the Getting Money Right course and everything that Leo and I are building. Uh, we also encourage you to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. So uh, if you will subscribe to it and hit download every week, that will, and it automatically downloads, that'll help us in the algorithm. It'll let, you know, wherever you're listening, whether it's Spotify or Apple or um, just straight through the website, it'll let that algorithm know, this is a valuable podcast. People are downloading, they're listening. Every time you listen, it tracks and, and it lets them know that people are tuning in. So keep doing that and then share it with a friend. We love seeing the numbers grow month to month and it means a lot to us and it allows us to keep going further with the podcast. Yeah, and also when you're writing a review, if you take just a second to do that, it lets other people know who run across the podcast what other people think. And I usually will go to the reviews to see what people say about it because I'll learn about the specifics that this podcast is trying to accomplish. What do they talk about? What is the format? And if you just share how this has helped you, it'll help someone else know whether this is content that they should be exposed to and should they subscribe themselves. And so if you do that as a loyal listener, if it's benefiting you, please let others know through this format. That's right. Well, we hope that you enjoyed it and we look forward to having you join us next time so that together we, we can, can keep, keep getting, getting money, money right. right.
have a PMI as soon as you can. Keep an eye on that. Do whatever you can to assess the value of your property. Prove that to the mortgage lender and uh, get that PMI off. It's really of no benefit to you have it on there any longer than necessary. Mm-hmm.